And so, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the voice. Through Jesus Christ, his Son, the Word. And through the Holy Spirit, the hearing of this spoken word for you. Amen. The power of God's eternal word to make new, to forgive sin, and give faith is before us in our scriptures today. On this first Sunday of Lent, we step back again into the first chapter of Mark. We've been here a few times in the last few months to pick up this reference of Jesus and his 40 days in the wilderness. This is also, of course, picked up in Genesis, this idea of 40, as his family endures a particularly long uh, ark ride in the rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And since 40 days is our language of Lent, it is paramount, paramount that we begin this journey together at the River Jordan. For it was at the River Jordan that the separation between heaven and earth, between God and man, was torn apart, and the Holy Spirit descended on Christ, and he heard this voice from his Father saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. We also hear Peter take this up. In his letter, when he recalls the flood and the eight persons of Noah and his family who were saved through water and given a promise. And baptism, Peter says, which this, which Noah and the ark and the promise prefigured, now saves you. We also have this language of Peter in Martin Luther's flood prayer. This flood prayer that is prayed at every baptism in this congregation where God used water and in many faith stories to deliver a promise to his chosen people. And one other thing that Martin Luther notes in his exhaustive study is what he calls a troubling pattern, a troubling pattern in Scripture. The troubling pattern is right in the middle of our gospel text from Mark. And what is this troubling pattern? Each time God gives a promise in Scripture, the promise is then tested. It's as if to say that God, through the Holy Spirit, is forcing those who have this promise to live by it, or more truly stated, to suffer it in faith to turn to this promise again and again in faith while it's being attacked. In Jesus' case, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now, drives Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan and wild beasts. If we had time, I would love to walk with you through Scripture and point out, you and I, all of these times in which this troubling pattern occurred, starting in the garden. Most profoundly, I would say, with Abraham, 
with Joseph, with Moses, with King David. The list is long. And why does Luther call this troubling? Well, it's because we get this beautiful promise of God through his word, and immediately, especially in Mark, immediately it becomes under attack from these powerful sources. And we know them to be the world, our sinful selves, and Satan. These three forces attack the promise and make us question if this promise really took. If I'm suffering this way, did it really take? If I'm really God's, then why am I suffering under sin? Our sin and the world that sins against us and temptation, they all trouble the conscience. And yet we see in Jesus' perfect belief in God's promise as he's driven out in the wilderness, fasting 40 days, I would think increasing the temptation, tempted in every way, but was yet without sin. In other words, trusting in this gift. For Jesus walks in our same skin without sin, and begins to take on the sins of the world. That baptismal moment, the pinnacle moment for us. And the angels waited on him, it says. These messengers from God ministered to Christ. And so now as one called to preach this life-giving word of Christ, to silence the accusation of sin and the law, allow me now to minister to you with God's word. We, who have received God's everlasting promise through his son, he has also said to you on your baptism day, you are my beloved child. I favor you, I delight in you because of my son. And we know the wilderness, do we not? The wilderness is where I heard in seminary from Dr. Paulson is where you neither feel God nor see God. This is the wilderness. We know this. In the very thing that our flesh wants and desires, God remains hidden. Isn't that interesting? And so what does our flesh convince us to do when we lack faith in his word or promise? If our flesh can't see God or feel God, well, then we set out on a quest so that we can see God or feel God. This is in our very bones. It's in our reason but God refuses to be found there. Only in his son will he be found. But in our lack of faith, we look for signs. We look for a confirmation from God by sight, outside of his word. This is who we are. This is our temptation. 
we think maybe I can convince the Holy Spirit to do a little moonlighting by showing me something, and then, then I'll believe. But what do we know about the Spirit? The Spirit is about delivering faith in spite of what we see, um, absent of what we see in God's word of promise. For we don't separate the word of God and the spirit. They are one. Now, I will say that God does give signs, but as we find in Jesus and his miracles, the signs didn't bring faith. They saw it. It brought awe and wonder, but it did not bring faith in Christ. And so we see this played out in Scripture. Sight does not produce the faith uh, in Christ that the Spirit gives. So how do we try and feel God? If we also try and see God, how do we try and feel God? Well, to me, I think we get out into nature. We get to a mountaintop. Or we go fishing. Uh, I had a gentleman tell me that he'd rather be on Lake Oahe thinking, fishing, and thinking about God than he would be in church thinking about fishing. <laughs> and since, uh, he, since he said that, I've really thought a lot about it because I had this problem called delayed theological intelligence and I just stood there and going, what? That doesn't sound like scripture. I've never heard that. He uses the word God. But as I thought about it, I go, that is the absolute faithless thing to say. There's no faith in there. Nowhere in Scripture does God say this. Uh, certainly, creation is his handiwork, and we, we are awed by this. But we aren't given a promise through creation. And a year or so later, when I was at his bedside, and he was on hospice in his home, he wasn't looking to feel anything. He was feeling miserable. Death was coming upon him. What did he need? <laughs> the promise God gives, this everlasting promise in faith that God gives. And so as a minister, I was able to say, there is what we hold to. And I'd have to say for my own self, I can assure you that on our second day of rain in the Tetons last summer, uh, sore and everything, I was not feeling God up in the mountains. <laughs> After the rain, it was gorgeous. It was exhilarating. But we did come down. Many are hoping to feel God in worship, and there are some powerful feelings that can come in worship. But feelings, we know, are fickle and God's word is not. Satan wants to attack the promise. We see this in our scripture today. He wants to steal your faith in this promise by pointing out your sin. His technique has not changed. The devil loves to whisper in your ear and tell you that God must not have meant it for you. You can't be saved to try and convince you that your sin has destroyed this promise somehow. Someone who has your thoughts, he whispers, your feelings, your desires, 
your actions could not possibly be a Christian. But then we have to turn to Psalm 25 and be reminded again of God's hesed love, his everlasting love, where it says all of the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. After 40 years in the wilderness, God's faithfulness was to deliver his promise. And for you, there, there is no more powerful gift of grace to walk with you through the wilderness, giving you a good conscience before your Lord than the eternal promise that you've been given through the cross of Christ. And so now hear again what your Lord has to say for you. For you are forever God's beloved child. He has demonstrated his love for you, and while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. This is the promise we are given at the font. This includes your sin of unfaith and the sins that you have suffered in this world it is your Lord who has named you and claims you as his own. I pray that the Holy Spirit now will descend like a dove through this word of promise into your hearts so that you hear that you are forgiven and you are set free in the name of Christ. Amen.